again, a lot of what happens here is we talk about hockey, but we do love our Ann Arbor sports. So again, Michigan I was, volleyball is dead. Long live Michigan volleyball. Yes. Quick remark from Nick Hornberg there. So I am Vanessa Litchard. I was your host today for 88.3 WCBN FM Ann Arbor. Joined today with Nick Hornberg, Adam Ritz, Alex Shee, and Gabrielle Hilly. You guys, again, are my favorite people, some of my favorite people in WCBN. So everyone listening and you guys have a great rest of your night. And as always, Go blue. Nick, we need to get Amber Beals more playing time. Watching a bowl game is literally a waste She's, of my time. She played so I don't much know how you can. I mean, even though she. New Yorker learned a Mexican cowboy song from a book. Soy un triste venido que habito en la serranía. Como no soy tan mansito, no bajo a la guardería. De noche poco a poquito, y a tus brazos vida mía. And the way the same song sounded after the singer returned from a trip to Mexico. CBN, FM, Ann Arbor. Because sometimes book learning just isn't enough. Soy un triste predicto en la serranía. Soy un triste predicto en la serranía. Como nos estamos diciendo a bojar con estos brazos, vida mía. Well, uh, good evening and welcome to another edition of Gray Matters here on WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. Um, big, you know, the other big news, besides the interesting thing is Zelensky's actually meeting Putin. Uh, today and mm-hmm. Trump meets uh, Lavrov tomorrow, the Russian ambassador, one of his close friends. Scamper up the drapes in the Oval Office together. Yeah, well, remember that Trump met Lavrov uh, the day after he fired Comey, mm. and Trump keeps wondering why this endless investigation doesn't quit, and he's responsible for a lot of it because he wants to keep investigating things. I mean, how bizarre to see Rudy Giuliani in the Ukraine again. <laughs> see beautiful Ukraine in the winter. He's uh, been back and forth to the Ukraine quite a bit over the last decade. Uh, 
Well, he has many personal uh, business interests yeah. uh, in the region as well as still claiming, of course, that he is serving his his one client. He says, I have one client, and that's the President of the United States. Well, there's other evidence to suggest that he does represent other people, sure. some of whom are currently indicted, and I suspect that we'll... See more information uh, being revealed about the status of uh, Giuliani's uh, legal situation, um, I think could be fairly characterized as rapidly deteriorating. Yeah, it's not a modified limited hangout anymore. (laughs) (laughs) To borrow a phrase from the infamous Watergate days, in fact, uh, how interesting to see photographs of Giuliani with Lev Parnas. Mm. At George H.W. Bush's funeral. Yeah. Special guest. I don't know the guy. Well, at least he hasn't denied knowing him, but that's that's often been Trump's uh, defense uh, fallback line in this whole fiasco. And, of course, today we also had the <clears throat> Inspector General uh, report that pretty much went on for almost two years. <sighs> And I haven't read it, so I don't want to comment too much about it, but it was leaked a couple of, like a week ago, that uh, this report was not going to help Donald Trump much. This is the theory that the FBI had scant evidence and there was bias and all these people were politically motivated to go after the president. And uh report doesn't, doesn't show that. It shows some mistakes, some clerical errors. Uh, but no fundamental bias or specific agenda to go after. Yeah. And, of course, this was Trump's attack mode after uh, the special prosecutor was was appointed by the Justice Department. And it was ostensibly appointed to discover why Trump fired James Comey. Uh, he seems to keep forgetting James Comey's... Uh, was almost the, the beginning of the end of Trump's presidency when he met him on the 27th of January, one week into his presidency, demanding loyalty. Comey began taking notes from that point on when he met the president because he found the the fact that he even called him up to summon him in uh, troubling, uh, noting that Obama had only called him twice in six years, wants to appoint him, announce his appointment, and wants to congratulate him on his Senate confirmation. Uh, so all that's uh, part of the ongoing story. Uh, obviously, Trump is not going to be removed, uh, even if he's impeached. Well, I don't know if you heard uh, over the last few days, John Dean, of all people, put forward a suggestion, kind of a novel proposal. Of course, there's no precedent for it, but the way the Constitution defines impeachment, it certainly uh, presents some interesting uh, opportunities, I should think. Uh, His suggestion is go ahead and impeach him on whatever counts are to be uh, articles of impeachment that are to be drafted up. There's a a number of them that could uh, easily be (laughs) drafted rather quickly. Um, but then don't bother advancing it to the Senate. 
uh, continue to investigate, mm-hmm. continue to call people to testify, can uh, you know uh, wait for the other shoe to drop in the the Rudy trial, the Stormy Daniels trial. Uh, since the votes might not be there in the Senate, his, Dean's suggestion is if the worst happens and he's reelected, then send it to the Senate, right? <laughs> well, Which, of course, is a last-minute maneuver. Um, but the election having already occurred, um, it's going to put some of those senators in a different mental frame. Certainly, and obviously um, the fact that— Not sure the, I agree with it, but it's an interesting uh, proposal. Yeah, and, and Jonathan Turley, who's a guy that I don't really agree with much, is the he was the man that testified last week, the law professor advocating slowing things down. Uh, I don't think that slowing things down is going to help Donald Trump uh, because, you know, we have these subpoenas uh, that are not being obeyed. Uh, Well, Don McGahn's appeal is to be heard in early January, for example. Yeah, and it's interesting that I think his name is Kupperman, uh, the assistant to uh, John Bolton. He wants the the case heard regardless um, because... As he puts it, I could be called again at a later date, and I want this to be determined by the courts. Of course, the Supreme Court is going to make a determination on Donald Trump's financial records uh, that are in question at Deutsche Bank and another accounting firm uh, name I can't remember. But that, in at the end of the day, may, may be what dooms Trump the most because I suspect that Donald Trump... Uh, his financial situation is much worse uh, than he's let on to the public. Uh, certainly, we want to hear from John Bolton and Mike Pompeo. Mm-hmm. And what about William Barr? <laughs> uh, boy. <laughs> well, actually, I was going <laughs> to mention back in the... Uh, Maybe they should impeach him. <laughs> well, I think there's a strong argument to be made for that. I mean, clearly from the beginning, Trump wanted an attorney general who was a consigliere. Uh, he wanted Jim Comey to be his uh, the Sterling Hayden character in The Godfather, you know, the the corrupt cop in on the take. You're loyal to me, right? Cool. We're, it's a deal. Um, back in the silent movie days, there used to be this joke about uh, somebody receiving a goat gland injection and it filled them with all sorts of robust energy and it was probably some sort of Viagra type reference at the time. But it seems like Attorney General Barr has had a a goat gland injection because he's all fired up. His bizarre comments last week, speaking in front of some conservative body, uh, in which he argues that if certain communities don't adequately respect the police, then maybe they don't deserve to enjoy the protection of duly accredited representatives of the law. What a bizarre claim from the attorney general to, I mean, not too mysterious which communities he's talking about. This is, I think, a reference to Black Lives Matter protesters and very legitimate concerns that African-Americans have about the the continuing, uh, you know, suspicious and bad treatment uh, that they are all too likely to receive at the hands of officers of the law. Uh, Not in every case, but often enough to be an ongoing concern. Um, Is he denying them equal protection under the law? That's what it seems like he's suggesting uh, 
should occur. Well, and he's also just been issuing bizarre statements. I didn't actually read his official statement today on the release of the inspector general's report, but he apparently thinks that the evidence is flimsy. Um, and he has, of course, a yet another investigation underway. It's basically an investigation of the investigation, uh, a little more focused on, quote, the CIA rather than the FBI. Uh, Donald Trump, of course, has never proven any of his numerous allegations uh, that seem to keep going nowhere. And I continue to be completely confused about this notion that Donald Trump didn't discuss aid in the in the uh, July 25th phone call. Um, I have the transcript here. Read the transcript. Read Read the the transcript. transcript. Well, you know, one of the great (laughs) things about a newspaper and they are dying out, uh, unfortunately, is that when you get a broadsheet like this, you get the document and it's a big, long thing, you can visualize paragraphs a lot better and how they're connected to different things. Mm -hmm. When you use an electronic device, even a computer, you know, your screen has a much smaller amount of capacity Mm -hmm. of pros on that you're looking at and for some reason i can always remember things better when i read a big broadsheet well courtesy of the release of the president's phone call this by the way was released by donald trump himself and the purpose of the release was to uh take up the public debate you know defend the call was perfect go on the offensive attack the process. Attack this, attack that. Well, look, the, the, the Republicans have produced zero evidence to support any of their assertions. Uh, no witnesses. They keep claiming that they want witnesses, they want to call their own witnesses. But I fail to see why Hunter Biden is relevant to the actions of Donald Trump. Precisely. Um, meanwhile, Mick Mulvaney won't step forward. Pompeo won't step forward. Right. They've all been subpoenaed. They were all invited beforehand. In fact, uh, Jerry Nadler last week said, oh, uh, well, last chance. Uh, would you like to have representation? Last chance for alcohol. Last, last chance for the president himself or his legal representatives to participate. Mm, we decline. We decline. And that's part of the obstruction strategy. Um, they keep complaining about no fact witnesses. And you heard this reiterated today repeatedly, uh, if you heard the ping pong questioning uh, that went on uh, later in the hearing, you know, when the members each get their five minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I list, tend to listen to the Republican uh, congressman a little closer because some of them come across as so buffoonish. It's, it's almost comical. Uh, I thought, by the way, that Eric Swalwell today really <laughs> delivered some just perfect mm. sequence of events when he asked the um, the council, this, this was the council of the Intelligence Committee, a series of questions in which the answer was repeatedly President Donald Trump, President Donald Trump. Everything goes back to him. Yeah. Who ordered the OMB to uh, delay the dispersal of the aid? 
President you, Donald Trump. And, you know, one of the interesting things about this ongoing controversy is how utterly ridiculous things are in terms of reality. I want to quote from an early article uh, in the uh, unfurling of this scandal. By the way, over the weekend, I did some classic archives work where I went to the current periodicals collection up on the third floor of the Ann Arbor Public Library, a fantastic resource here in this great city. And I went back and I checked out the September Wall Street journals because what's interesting about this story from a media perspective is is that it was the Wall Street Journal that sort of got a lot of this stuff going. Yes, there was some leaking going on involving the Washington Post, as we learned today. Um, when did Donald Trump find out about the whistleblower complaint? Well, we don't know precisely, but we do know that one of the witnesses that sort of disappeared from the uh, our memory of what's actually transpired over the last two months is the um, acting director of the um, intelligence, the DNI. He's, he's called the DNI. This was a position that was created after 9-11. Dan Coates had this position, and he resigned in late July. How interesting. Uh, one thinks that he might know something about this call. And he used to be a Republican senator. Mm-hmm. He's a kind of an establishment guy who kept actually challenging the president over the involvement of Russia in the 2016 investigation. Well, Mr. McGuire, I think his name is Joe. You can call me Joe. Can I call you Joe? Sarah Palin? Yeah. Well, Joseph McGuire, he testified. And he went to the White House before he went to Congress. This was one of the first revelations. He was actually the first witness to testify to the Intelligence Committee uh, back in September. He was scheduled to testify. And he was probably ordered not to testify. And he told Trump to go stuff it because he'd been in the military. He didn't want to ruin his reputation his whole career by trying by trying to be a fall guy in this mess you know i think it was fiona hill that called the ukraine situation a total nightmare <laughs> that everything about it was just <laughs> twisted convoluted surreal and just to in interject briefly here the focus is on the ukraine her comment about the Ukraine sort of sums it up in a nice, ugly little package. I maintain that it's important to remember that don't just think of this as an isolated incident. This is how he operates. Yeah. What will we hear if we should ever be lucky enough to hear or be allowed to hear uh, communications with Saudi officials? Sure. With those calls, the secret meeting with Putin that, you know... No one was allowed to listen in on. Well, and it came out today that there have been 16 calls between Putin and Trump. Um, How many are deep sixed in that extra deep file security system where uh, staffer Tim Morrison is, oh, 
this would be bad. Not that it's happening or that this is what we're doing, this scheme with the Ukraine, but it would be bad if it got out and people found out about it. So let's suppress it and put it in this privileged uh, deep secret file. Yeah. And what else is in there? In several meetings and, and whatnot. But very early on, as the scandal was unfurling, this is a very interesting fact that's been revealed that keeps being ignored. And this is connected to Hunter Biden and Joe Biden. Uh, This is by Kenneth Vogel, who's very important in the reporting of the Ukraine story because he was the one that broke the story early in May that Giuliani was going Mm -hmm. to the Ukraine. He's the one that the famous line... You know. We're not going to meddle in an election. We're going to meddle in an investigation. Exactly. Like, okay. Duh. And then Donald Trump promptly, uh, two weeks later, said he, he didn't <clears throat> care if he got uh, dirt on his opponents from foreign governments. And then, of course, he's carried on in public, urging the Ukraine to release the documents. And Russia, are you listening? And, oh, China, can you please help me out? Xi Jinping is a friend of mine. I think China listened to the request and said, I think we'll table that one. <laughs> Put that in the uh, the Uyghurs uh, relocation camps up in northwest China. But here's one of the interesting facts about this whole ridiculous theory that, that there was some sort of a cover-up. The prosecutor, after Mr. Shokin was fired, this was Biden's uh, role as vice president, became a guy named Yuri Lutsenko, Yuri uh, Lutsenko, who met with Giuliani and Lev Parnas. These were the characters that were trying to get rid of Ambassador Yovanovitch so that Trump could start this, well, meddling in the investigation. <laughs> we have a right to do it, Giuliani said. Well, here's the interesting comment that he makes. It says that while Mr. Lutsenko initially took a hard line against Burisma, this is the company in question, within 10 months after he took office, Burisma announced that Mr. Lutsenko and the courts had, quote, fully closed all legal proceedings and pending criminal allegations against Mr. Zlovzeski and his companies, i.e. Burisma. And they go into the fact that Mr. Um, Zlovshevsky's allies were relieved by the dismissal of Mr. Shokin. They noted that the prosecutor whose ouster Mr. Biden, Joe Biden, had sought, according to people familiar with the situation, Mr. Shokin was not aggressively pursuing investigations into Mr. Zlovzeski or Burisma, but the oligarch's allies said that Mr. Shokin was using the threat of prosecutions to try and solicit bribes. <laughs> Bingo. Uh-huh. This is how this is. <laughs> this is what the facts are. Lutsenko, by the way, at the moment is hiding in London. With the famous line, quote, working on my English. <laughs> I mean. There's something almost surreal about what continues to go on here. Here we have Nosferatu doing some 
holiday shopping, perhaps, in yeah. Ukraine, where they make lovely, lovely handcrafts. He's come out of his crypt. He's packing the Ukraine kind of near Transylvania. Mm. And he's looking for that evidence. He's still looking. And uh, I don't think he's going to find it <laughs> because there simply is nothing there. This idea that Ukraine meddled in the election and one of the Republican Senate uh, congressmen today went into that canard again during his five minutes. And you say to yourself, when does this sur- surrealism end? When can we finally move away from the 2016 election <laughs> that Trump I mean, let's face it, this guy has a serious personality disorder. They keep asserting, well, he won the election. Well, yeah, why does he keep... (laughs) Why can't he move on? (laughs) They keep saying, the people voted. Well, no, actually, the people didn't vote. It was the Electoral College. I learned this in the eighth grade civics lesson at Athens Middle School in Athens, Ohio where my eighth grade teacher asked a trick question of us. We were, you know, a big class of 25, roughly, students. We're asked to stand up if their parents voted for president. And, of course, you know, 20 of us stood up. And he was like, are you sure about that? (laughs) And we all go, yeah, my parents voted for president. And then, of course, some of us were stubborn and we stuck to our guns and we're still standing. And he had he was a big, burly guy with very strange uh, elbows. And he said, (laughs) you're all wrong. (laughs) The Electoral College selects the president. Your parents did not vote for president. And you're like, oh. And you have that revelation. This, by the way, is part of the learning process. When we're children, we learn, hopefully, from our mistakes. So when you have been mildly shamed, not terribly shamed, because at least you were still standing, at least you were still admitting that your parents voted for president, um, you know, and one kid got lucky because he was right from the beginning because... His parents didn't vote in the election. <laughs> well, you know, and I'll just briefly comment on my own childhood memories of uh, being 10 years old during the Watergate hearings. Mm-hmm. And because my father had voted for Nixon and uh, America's a great country and I'm a 10 year old kid who believes in the greatness of America, uh, that uh, America's great. Nixon's the president. Therefore, Nixon must be great. My dad voted for him. What could be wrong in that picture? And then as the next year and a half worth of events unfolded and through Mad Magazine and, uh, you know, the beginning of a political awakening on my own part, uh, you begin to realize, and my father came to that realization too, I'll be damned. The guy was a crook. He was lying the whole time. So that illusion is shattered, but... Not the the illusion of the greatness of America, because the capacity for it is still there. The Constitution is a pretty awe-inspiring document, uh, as long as people agree to adhere to it. Right. And that's kind of the crisis that we find ourselves in now, is sure. some are claiming that it does not apply, that this whole impeachment hearing is just a scam. Well, no, it's a completely legal process 
whereby a co-equal branch of government attempts to pull one branch that's uh, wildly out of control back down to the bounds of law. And it's not a coup because, as I've pointed out, Mike Pence would take over if Trump were removed. Right. But we're not going to see the removal of and Donald Trump. As uh, far as the electability uh, and, like, did your parents vote for the president, uh, with the dropping out of the race of Kamala Harris last week, we've got a little bit of extra time here uh, today on Gray Matters. So stay tuned, though, because Yazoo City Calling will be following this program. Um, Catherine Harris drops out of the uh race for the Democratic uh, candidacy. Oh, Kamala, yeah, uh, yeah. Kamala Harris, yeah, um, last week. And, of course, there's a lot of reasons for that that I you know, don't need or want to go into right now. But one of the concerns that the female candidates are facing is, well, is a woman electable? Sure. Uh, will people vote for a woman for president? And in point of fact, they already have. Hillary Clinton, like her or not, and she was a deeply flawed candidate. There's no denying that. Uh, she did receive more votes, more popular votes. Yeah, yeah. And that, of course, is that, you know, oh, uh, the uh, Electoral the College. The quirks of the Electoral College. The quirks yeah. of that system. Uh, so is a woman electable as president? That's already been proved, yes. I think so. So this whole yeah. idea that, you know, uh, Amy Klobuchar or Elizabeth Warren uh, would not be electable, is is erroneous. And, it, it's uh, erroneous, and I think uh, there still is a good deal of misogyny uh, in the mm. American electorate, uh, according to polls. But yeah, we'll we'll deal with Kamala Harris in a couple of weeks. There is an upcoming debate. It's interesting that she dropped out before the debate. Yeah, but rather than go into too much detail, her main problem was she never could get above fourth place, mm -hmm. and when. Michael Bloomberg came in and spent $30 million on TV ads over the Thanksgiving holiday, including quite heavily during the football games, I heard from reliable <laughs> sources, including the Lions game, uh, the Thanksgiving game, uh, targeting the Republican audience because they have very interesting polling data that shows that um, most football fans are actually Republicans and that most basketball fans are Democrats. Um, take that what you will. but um, And most hockey fans are Canadian. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Ask Don Cherry. You people. <laughs> but, um, you know, so that's that's interesting targeted, targeted advertising on his part. But it must be quite disheartening to be running for president for six months, or mm. whenever she got in the race, because she was she got in after early. Warren, yeah, but, but relatively early. early, yeah. And she had a nice splash when she started, but it must be disheartening to see a guy come in and just drop thirty million dollars on TV advertising when she's struggling to raise forty-two million or whatever she had when she right. quit. So that's certainly a factor. Now, you get a lot of nonsense about the fact, well, Donald Trump didn't say the word aid in his phone call. Well, let me ask you if you understand English. Um, early in the call was Zelensky. And, of course, Zelensky it has a moment of levity in the call when he jokingly tells Trump, oh, well, yes, to tell you the truth, we are trying to work hard because we wanted to drain the swamp in our country. He's a comedian, right? That's a little slogan. He's buttering Trump up. Exactly. 
And what does Trump immediately do? He says, well, that's very nice of you to say that. And I omitted a couple of sentences there. I will say that we do a lot for Ukraine. We spend a lot of effort and a lot of time, much more than the European countries are doing. And they should be helping you out more than they are. Germany does almost nothing for you. All they do is talk. And I think that's something